0: Welcome to the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I have in front of us is Pastor Tripp from Emmanuel Church in Bremerton, Washington. So greetings, Pastor Tripp. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Good to be here. All right. So for the benefit of my listeners, could you just tell me a little bit about yourself, about your family?
1: Okay. So, Yeah. Uh, uh, first thing I want to say is thank you, Dave, for this opportunity. You know, it's always good to uh, uh, talk with uh, fellow brothers and things like that. And uh so basically, you know, I'm a country boy. I always say that. I was born in a little small town, uh, uh, Kilmichael, Mississippi. Uh, six brothers, five sisters. Uh, you know, mom was uh, into church. Dad wasn't so much into church. And so, you know, you know how that dynamic takes out, takes place. And after that, we just uh, uh, joined, uh, finished high school, joined the military, joined the Navy. Uh, first duty station was in Guam and left Guam and ended up coming to the United States, uh, coming to uh, to, the, uh, to the Nimitz. And I thought I was gonna be going to Washington, D.C. <laughs> but I Ended up being in Washington State. <laughs> and so you know that, that was an adjustment all in and yeah. of itself. Sure. And hence, uh, ended up, uh, while I was out at sea, uh, my wife, who I've been married to, coming up for 34 years, Tina, Ooh. she started uh, attending Emmanuel Church, Emanuel Armstrong Church. And when I got back, she had met all these friends and was talking about how wonderful the church was, and 30 years later, you know, as they say, uh, the rest is history, Uh, I felt a call on my life, uh, shared that with my leader, and, you know, just went through the process of becoming a a, a local licensed minister, uh, associate pastor, did the men's ministry things that you do, and that just led into uh, staying here and just hearing the voice of God, and, just being obedient to what God wants us to do, even even after we've lost our, our leader, We're, that's where we are right now. Interesting. So you said Mississippi. What city, Mississippi? Well, most people wouldn't consider it a city. Okay. We, they would say it's a town. Because okay. you only got like seven hundred people, right? Right, right. And to this day, there's no there's no no stoplight. I mean, there's no you know. Even today. Lights. Even no,
0: today. There's no. Even today. <laughs> well,
1: you know, it's you talk about a town population of seven hundred people, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised we still don't have the horse and buggy mules that thing going on. Wow. But, uh, yeah, it's a very small town. If you don't want nothing if you don't want it, nobody to know your business, don't do nothing. Wow. Because everybody's gonna know your business. I'm asking
0: asking uh my brother mm-hmm. was born in Pasigula, Mississippi. Okay. And I got some family down there. Okay. And so I know Pasagula. Yeah. So I don't know where <laughs> Yeah, know Kilmichael.
1: How, Kilmichael. You know the story behind Michael they said there was a, a guy who owned a mule. The mule's name was Michael. He killed the mule. <laughs> Hence, that's how our... Now, Dave, you, you, you find that a little too funny. But that's how they named our town, Kill Michael. Okay. So, uh, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Interesting. Okay, well, cool. So,
0: I got a, a big question. I was born in Pensacola, Florida, mm-hmm. raised in Baltimore City, but I got southern roots. Mm-hmm. So, this is an important question. Okay. When it comes to grits, you put sugar on your grits... You
1: put ketchup on your grits or just butter and salt. This is important. I know it's important and since I don't eat as much grits as I did when I was growing up, mm-hmm. I gotta be honest with you. I'm a I'm a butter and sugar man. I'm a butter and sugar man. It just I uh, got got nothing against those who use ketchup and salt. <laughs> But to me, it just tastes much better when I got butter and, and a little a sprinkle of sugar. Not, you know, not, not just a whole bunch of sugar. Right, but right. I got to have that butter and sugar. Down. Okay. I had to ask because I'm, <laughs> I'm a butter and
0: salt with a little bit of cheese. And the sugar thing is always throwing me off. I was like, really, fam? So, okay. That's cool. Okay, cool. So you say you're part of a pastoral team. Uh-huh. So tell me, what is it like being part of a team and not just being the sole pastor?
1: Okay, So... uh just to give you a little bit of a background on on the, the pastoral leadership team, uh, the, the the office that you and I are sitting in right now, you know, prior to us losing our our, our leader, who was a great leader, uh, founded our church. Uh, God blessed him to have forty years uh, leading the church. God actually gave him a kidney so he could live, uh, prolong his life thirty more years. So in this very office that you and I are sitting in. One of the things that Bishop would do with the men that he, that he uh, said God pointed out to him to be on the pastoral leadership team, in this very office, on that very couch, he would say to us, when you men, when you brothers start pastoring, but in, in my mind, for someone who was not seeking to be a pastor, uh, not even thinking, it wasn't even on my radar, uh, I, the only thought I had was, okay, I'm thinking traditional. Oh, man, at some point i got to go out. I got to find a building, I got to get get the name of the church out there, whether it's going to be an extension of Emmanuel, somewhere uh, in this city, somewhere else. So I am thinking traditional, but what I didn't realize, and that you know as well as I know, that our pastor was a visionary, and he was speaking to the future. So what he was speaking to is what's happening right now. Uh, The four of us, not going out starting your own work, but continuing the work uh, that I started. And, and, and you ask the dynamics of the pastoral leadership team is that you have to yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit. This is not the type of setup where you, you can have a, a big ego because it's going to get deflated real quick because you have to, and you've been in the, the Coast Guard 30-plus years, you know the importance and the dynamics of getting that team moving in the, in the same direction. And so the good thing is is that all of the men that are on this team uh, I've known them 20, 30 years. So we all know each other's strengths, weaknesses, and if there's an issue that we uh, may get tripped up on, we do what the Bible says. We pray about it, you know, because uh, there are times when uh, I think there's a thing uh, uh, that I want to do and they, and they say, hey, uh, here's the checks and balances. We don't really feel that the Lord is leaving it. So I have to be big enough to say, hey, you know, this is not your decision, Pastor Chip. You're not the pastor. You're one of the pastors. So as long as you keep that frame in mind, then you, then you, this setup will be good.
0: That's good. I, I served in a, in a church that had a pastoral team. Mm-hmm. It was a larger church, and so normally you'll see a pastoral team with big ministries, and you know, you got this pastor that's this part of the ministry, blah blah blah, and that's fine. But what I saw was there was. Um, the personalities didn't always gel, mm. and so we can all be carnal. Right. And while they were trying desperately not to let us see that, you could kind of feel right, it. Right, right. I haven't really discerned that with any of you guys, so right. I'm just curious to, right. to get your take on it. So, what distinguishes Emmanuel Church from maybe churches you've been to before, mm-hmm. and maybe churches in the area if you guys have partnerships with any
1: local churches? What, mm-hmm. what sets Emmanuel apart? Uh, I I think the thing that I have noticed in my 30 years of being here, and obviously when you come into a church, there's always some kind of organizational that they're tied to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so one of the things that I noticed that I I noticed as soon as I started coming is that even though we may have been in an organization where it was charismatic, Pentecostal uh, foundation, Emmanuel took on uh some of some of a non-denominational uh non-judgmental uh mindset that we, we we understand uh that there's an allegiance to the organization but i always felt that we were set apart in the fact that uh because bishop was bringing people like uh miles monroe he was tr- uh, going over to uh his conferences he was uh, there was a gentleman by the name of dr messa otteville he brought here back in the early 90s, who really taught us about uh, who we were in the Bible as, as African-American people. I mean, you know you know how it is. You can read a certain scripture all your life, but you never really see it. And so he was bringing that that person in. He was bringing Dr. Jawanza Kunjufu, who was a, a world-renowned uh, African-American uh, uh, psycho- psychologist. So he was doing a whole lot of things. That and, and, and you know the footprint that he has in the community. So he was doing a whole lot of things that I didn't see uh, other churches do because sometimes traditionally African Americans, uh, Pentecostal churches particularly, they seem to be more focused about getting the building and making sure the the the, 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 the focus is inside of focus. Right. But I thought but what I realized is the distinction between Emmanuel is that we are seen to be having a non denominational flavor and we were trying our best to be outside of focus, right. even though we were tied to a charismatic Pentecostal organization foundation.
0: That's really good. I uh, served at a Pentecostal church in Maryland, and I can concur. <laughs> the focus was intrinsic and not extrinsic. Mm-hmm. And so um, in my immaturity spiritually <laughs> and my uh, pseudo-militancy, uh, I was a little at, at odds with our senior pastor because I couldn't get him to come into Baltimore City. hmm and talk to the brothers and sisters who really need to hear from us in a non traditional, churchy, in quotations, way. Wow. And he was really reticent to do that because he said, well, they can come on in. Right. And
1: maybe what, do you, was, what do you think was the, the, the real drive behind him not wanting to do that? Did, did, oh, I can. Did you feel there was a I'm, reputation there? I'm going to lay it
0: out. He was a white Pentecostal pastor. Okay. He had a largely African American congregation. His leadership was mostly non African American. We had a couple of elders. But I had a sense that and I'm just gonna be candid, he had a fear of going to the people and he gotcha. felt safe within his house. And in my mind I would say, if you are called to shepherd, are you afraid of the sheep with the spots? Right. <laughs> I mean That's good. That's good. the sheep with the fade, it right. shouldn't really matter. Right. But I one of the elders and I've interviewed him previously. Told me that I have to have grace and mercy for him because while he's the pastor, let the Lord deal with that. If you feel you need to be out talking to people, then Dave, go out and talk to people. Mm-hmm. And I had to kind of take that. It didn't satisfy my frustration, right, right, right. but I read between the lines, right? right. But, you know, and so and Lord knows what was going in his heart and his head, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it was also a little odd that. Here's one of his small group leaders. Right, So right, right. I tell him, hey, pastor, what right. up, Joe?
1: I like that you mentioned this, David. And, and this may be something you was going to throw at me, but I, you're on a path, and I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Since we've been in this COVID-19 pandemic era for the last 15 months, how do you think churches are doing who are trying to maintain that intrinsic insider focus?
0: I can tell you uh, I'm an avid, voracious reader. Mm-hmm. I consume a lot of um, church... Lore from our country and around the world, and I'm going to tell you this, a lot of the churches who were brand-centered wow, like are not that. doing well. Mm. The churches who were the people in the purpose-centered weathered the storm. Mm. They may not have been able to do all of the grandiose things they were doing, but they stayed focused on what their purpose was. Let's give an example. Bishop T.D. Jakes his ministry has come a long way from when he started in West Virginia to where he is in Texas. Right. He went through a phase where he was a name and claimant kind of guy, and he got caught up in prosperity stuff for a while, and even when his theology was off a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he got to a point—I say about 15 years ago—where he kind of got rooted mm-hmm. in his theology and his purpose, and it wasn't so much about the numbers; it was about meeting the needs of people where they're at. Yes. So when the when the pandemic hit and his church was empty. Bishop did not stop preaching. That no. man preached in an empty building as if it was full of people right. with more passion right. than he did when he had people doing the call and response. Right, right. And what it taught me was and all the naysayers had the spirit of shut up fall over them <laughs> yeah. right. as he delivered the word. And right. I remember one of the first sermons I ever heard from that man that kind of resonated with me. When he was a young boy in West Virginia, he used to preach to the trees and the rocks because mm. he believed that if the word will do its own word, mm-hmm. I'm gonna preach this right. tree to it praises. <laughs> right, and I got to thinking. And so now, as uh, to, to sum this up, as the pandemic is starting to allow businesses to open, mm-hmm. people are still coming back. But he hasn't changed what who he is and what he's about. Right. So when I look at some of the local churches that I've seen around the area, for Manuel. You guys worked really hard to try to figure out how do we navigate this space. Right, right. You had to learn the social media thing. There were some misses. Yes. But the purpose wasn't that you were the flashiest thing on the block. Right. Can we feed the sheep? Wow. Right? And yeah. so I noticed that. And I noticed that while well, there was some frustration and some growing pains. Right. There's no growth without pain. Exactly. And so Can't I get there. I, would, I could sit back through spiritual eyes and say, I see what they're doing. Mm. And they're Emmanuel. God among us. Right. So I saw the Spirit was still moving in the church Mm. and I wasn't worried. Wow. Um, What I was always concerned about, and that's just me, is when things normalize in quotations, Mm -hmm. will the flock return? Right. Or were they only here for the church? Right. Or were they here for Christ? Were they here for the fishes and the loaves? Come on. Yeah. You know, and so um, we went around the world. So pray for (laughs) me. I answered that for you.
1: No, you did. That was good. I
0: like that. So So that's... um, no, that's a good question. I asked someone else that previously. Yeah. But it's no one to ask me. So, <laughs> right. so I got a question. Aaron's sharpening iron, but no. All good. So finish this question for me. I hate
1: when I walk in church and see people do this. Uh, I hate when people walk in church and say, for instance, one of the pastors or the preachers had. Taught on Wednesday night. Taught an outstanding teaching. It was just Holy Spirit led, Holy Spirit uh, uh, inspiration. And I, I I hear somebody walk in and they're complaining, they're frustrated, and they act like they never heard that word. Period. It's like, where is your faith? Did how how long is your faith good for? Because you know sometimes we 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 can be the type of people who you know. The word has to fall on good ground. So how is it that you went from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, three days, and you come in and you're talking frustrated. You come in talking like you don't you don't have faith. You come in talking like there is no God. So I hate it when I walk in and I hear people, I don't have no hope. I don't know what to do. Well, you were you, you the one commenting in the chat box more than anybody else on the comment. Oh, God is great. He's greatly to be praised. And here's Sunday morning we walk in and that same person is saying, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. So I hate it when we act as though we have lost a word between Wednesday and a lot of, a lot of what that tells me. And you know, we're doing this series on being rooted and grounded in God's word. It, it, it speaks to a person like you. You have a, you have a, a, a aggressive uh, uh, teaching habit. Some people don't. Some people, they take what that preacher says, but you shouldn't be doing anyway. And that's all they take. And they don't do anything between Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday and wait. So I hate it when people do that.
0: What you're saying is you have folks who come in starving when they should be eating all week long. Whew. And so, give us this day daily bread. Mm-hmm. Well, it's there. 66 chapters. Yeah. You pick a version. And the pastor's trying to lead you to green pastures. Mm-hmm. Here's the nutrition and mm-hmm. what you should be reading every day. Yes. You ain't got to glean on the edges. You're in the field.
1: Right. No, you thought I mean, oh, that's good. Go ahead.
0: So... I just think the saints, and God bless them all, is that they need to understand the pastors and the church's job is to be the hospital mm-hmm. to get them healed and mm-hmm. to show them how to walk this thing out. Right, right, right. So if they are jubilatious and participatory in a Bible study because they want to be seen mm-hmm. being churchy. Right, right. This is my opinion. And then come church time when they should be here, humble. Praising, right. or getting the word, right. they're in their feelings, right? Right. And I was like, "Well, if you were, if you were not fleshy on Wednesday, what happened <laughs> on yeah. Sunday? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. What was so the disconnect? It's the discipline. Yeah. There's the humility that needs to be authentic. Yeah. Or maybe because I can't spell Bible, and so I'm trying to learn about God through the pastor mm-hmm. instead of having my relationship with Jesus on my own. Right. Right. So
1: I, I, I get that. Right. I absolutely get that. Yeah. So uh, no, I, I hate that day because I think of, think about it, nowadays. It, that's one of the things I think that we've learned being in a pandemic. and being, You know, you may not be able to hear the pastor. You may not be able to get to the, the deacon. You may not even be able to get to a connect group. So you've got to be able to have your own self built up, doing your own personal Bible studies. But guess what?
0: Anytime the Lord needs the people to hear him without distraction, mm-hmm. he shuts everything down. Yes, yes,
1: yes, yes.
0: I like that. The famines were forcing folks to fast right. of their foolishness yeah. and would really decide, to where does my help come from? Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. You were hearing me, but did you listen? Right, right. And so I I found myself looking at people sideways. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my church closed. I can't get no word. You have a Bible and you have the full economy of the internet to get Word anywhere you want to. And if you don't want to watch somebody, get a Bible that talks to you. (laughs) Right, 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 right. (laughs) Right.
1: And I like this conversation because one of the things I think, because I heard this big-time pastor who has a huge mega church in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And he said, I I had all these 10,000 members, but he says, one of the things the Lord showed me, and he really... He really drilled this into me real good. He said, he says how many people? He says what I've done with you, I've done the same thing I did with Gideon. I've given you the Gideon test. Cuz now you've gone from 10,000 down to just your staff." And he said what God showed him, he only had a small percentage of people that was truly in his ministry and making the wheels turn. Come on. And so what and I, the other thing is he was showing me that you have to depend upon God. And have faith in Him at every level, at every step. Because it's never about the big crowds. It's never about all of the money. I mean, you know, those things help, but it's always about: Do you have faith in God? And don't get clouded with the crowd. Don't get clouded. And one of the things, well, I, I and I, I know we are traditional churches, black churches. We like the hoop, we like the hollering. Mm-hmm. But I believe this is the season for the teachers to come forth. Yeah, not, yeah, if hooping has his place Say that for the people in the back
0: please. I believe
1: it's time for the teachers Of God's word to come forth Because how many times have you noticed An emotional high service People did all kind of stuff You ask them five minutes after they walk in, What did he preach uh, I can't really tell you what he preached But all I know is we shouted So I am asking that the teachers Arise and the teachers Come forth and be a part of this uh, fivefold ministry, so that our people can learn and get and be mature, be more mature. I like when you said the
0: fivefold, and I think that there's too much um, theological contention about the fivefold ministry. First, there's two ways To look at the fivefold. Mm-hmm. There's the fivefold offices, and there's the fivefold gifts. You can, at a moment's notice, God can come upon you and give you a prophetic utterance. For those who don't normally know him, Mm -hmm. he may have an apostolic message come to try to root a church and be the pastor's pastor. Say, look, Mm -hmm. are you stuck on stupid? (laughs) This is what this as an overseer. I'm trying to make sure you focus on your purpose. Yes. yes. You know, and then the teachers are to drive you into your Bible. Mm. I should be able to take the word and present it in a way that somebody can't steal Bible. Mm. Will do their best to say, "Lord is here, help me read this." Wow! And that's the Holy Ghost. So yes, yes, yes. The pastor's like, "I'm going to pray to save space for you to get cared and fed." Yes, but you got to trust me. Mm-hmm. If I say walk two steps, walk two steps. I right. can say sit here and graze. Yeah. Okay. let's say, oh, you had too much of that. Let's right. move on. Right. Follow the pastor because yeah. the Lord said, "Follow me." Right. What do you tell the apostles? Feed my sheep. Right. Or if I
1: say I don't know, he hasn't and, spoke and the to me yet. Is like. Yeah. You could be saved if you would get over <laughs> yourself. Right, right, I like
0: that. You know, that's I'm telling good. you, you looking for God on this pornography site, in this Bible, in this club, yeah. on this self help book, Ivana, all these people, right? But Jesus is right in front of you, right in front. Of if you. you get close to presence, yes, yes, you
1: feel the presence, yes, yes, yeah, that's good. Oh no, that's good. Oh, that that oh. teacher preacher
0: is in you. You can't have it. I'm just a brother with a Bible doing his best. That's good stuff, though. So, okay, let me change gears. What's the funniest thing you've
1: ever seen while you were preaching? And could you keep yourself together when you saw it? Uh, I was trying to remember uh, one of the funniest things, but it wasn't necessarily when when I was preaching. It was when I was visiting uh, my mother's church and I was up giving words, right? And so, for whatever reason, uh, whatever the Lord was using me to say, uh, this 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 kind of an older lady. She jumped up and Hallelujah. Next thing I know, she flipped back on the pew, and obviously the dress flew up. Dave, and see what? <laughs> see you're doing what I was trying not to do. Right. I was trying to maintain my composure, and I'm thinking now, what was it that I said that caused her to flip back of the right. chair? Her dress pops up. We see all of these old stockings and Grandma Gallaham. <laughs> Outfit, and so it was. I it, I was doing everything I could. They did not lose it, but obviously, uh the people out in the audience, they they were like, w- "If you don't lose it, we we we've already lost it because this is funny." <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> but to this day, I don't know what I had said to make her go hallelujah and. Flip back and cause that scene.
0: But I believe that the Lord gave us laughter as a healing message. Yes, yes, yeah. And so I know when I listen to you preach, yes. you have a natural humor that just comes out, and right. it's not contrived. I've seen folks try to be funny, right? But not right. like Brodaddy. Just stop. Yeah, that ain't it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it.
1: Abide in your calling. Right? Come on, come
0: on. <laughs> so, all right. So let's get a little serious. In your opinion, should pastors, church leaders, be on the front lines of social justice issues, whether it's about racism, poverty? systemic, non the government, what do you think uh, the church, end quotes, or leaders, where
1: should they be when it comes to the struggle? If you look, uh, if I now if I look at the church I was going to when I was a little child, the only focus was uh, because the pastor had two churches, and it was like first and fourth, we'd see him, second, third, he'd be at his second church. But that was never an example of uh, fighting the fight, uh, getting out, marching until I started to notice Dr. Martin Luther King, and for so many, so many years, even our bishop used to say this. He never understood why he was doing that. But you, you and I think I don't know if this is something that we, we we miss. I know it has to be a part of your calling. I don't know if it's something that they teach or don't teach in theological seminary, but the church has to be the forefront. We, we we have families coming into our congregation. We have families that are listening to us uh, on our social media. Those families are going out into their community. And and let's just say it, uh, the African-American community right now is facing a lot of things. So how is it that we could call ourselves pastors leading people and, and one of our family members may have suffered an injustice and we don't step out? If, if, if we just are quiet about that, I don't see how you can separate that. So, and if we're not on the front line, we need to align ourselves with somebody like a lot of those churches did, Southern Baptists, align themselves with Dr. King. We need to align ourselves with that person that God is using in our community to say we stand with them. So, yes, I, uh, we have to be a part of that. It's ironic. When Dr.
0: Martin Luther King Jr. decided that he could no longer be silent, a lot of the black churches wasn't feeling him. Yes. They are like, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you get ready for. This, this ain't, ain't us. Cost to happen to us. Right. Yeah. It takes some moral courage yeah. to put yourself in peril right. for the greater good. Yeah. Jesus knew he was going to die. Yeah, he did. He had the power to end it. He could have said, nope, walked away, and he did Right. So uh, I think that it's a matter of personal conviction and corporate awareness of what God expects of his leaders. Yes. Um, so I can't say this church should be doing this. Right. If there's one person that's got the unction, I'm using the old Yeah, word, right. Got the unction. <laughs> no, I like that. Unction. To go do it. Right. The Holy Spirit's only going to nudge. Yeah. He can't make you do anything. Correct,
1: correct. He's
0: the helper. Right, yeah. I not like the that. hands, yeah, right? You, you're using some good words. You I know, like the helper, not the hands. Yeah, but no, so. I
1: think the church should certainly be out there. And like I said, if they're not, they need to align themselves with somebody that God is using uh, in okay. that season to do okay. I don't want to run out of time. So
0: if there's one thing you wish you were more prepared for before
1: becoming a pastor, what would that be? I would have wanted to gotten more training, um, whether it was from a divinity school or a theological school, so that I, I would have known what that is like to add to the gift that I have. Because I think a lot of times when you're when when you not in that, uh, and you've been there, when you're not in that setting and you don't get that, you uh, you can just think, oh, my calling is what it is, and I'm good, I don't need any of that. But I have I have listened to people who have gone through theological seminaries and, and divinity schools, and there's a dimension of, of, of depth that they have. Uh, not to say that it's, it's better, it's good, but there's just a dimension of depth. And the Bible says, you know, that my people personal for the lack of knowledge that they have that I wish... That I that that I would have gone
0: and got. I'm glad you said that, but here's I'm gonna give you some some uh, some insight for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be in ministry, right? I had been fleshy and had all sorts of moral failures throughout my entire life, right? And on the eve, on actually on the on the uh, end of one of my just absolute moral failures, I was an absolute functional alcoholic, right, right, right. And I was at a church in West Virginia. I'm the only brother in the church. Wow. And the reason I started going to church is because I was about to blow up my marriage. Yeah. Because I couldn't put down the spirits. Right. Not the right, right spirit. No, no. The wrong spirits. The, yeah. And so I started going to church the first time that I took faith realistically because I was not raised in church. I was raised around religion. Right. And all and as a city kid, all I saw was a hustle. I mm-hmm. kept saying Right. You know the how to get with the money, this, that and the other. Right. And they'd saying one thing. And so I said, if this is the church <laughs> I got the hood for right. this. Right. So I didn't I didn't yeah. see the point. Right. So I remember driving down the street, and I just had this overwhelming thing where I, I just had to preach and teach. I didn't want to do it. Right. And I kept telling, I was telling God, you got the wrong one. You wow. know I'm a hot mess. You know. Wow. The one Lord, that created you, serious?
1: you, you were telling, he got I'm the wrong like, one. Right?
0: I'm like, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, he's probably, I'm yeah, about I know. as ratchet as they come. <laughs> and so he said, no. And, you know, the Lord doesn't speak in paragraphs. It's, right. He gives you that sense of so right. what's supposed to happen. So I, I went to the church and I was like, um, can I do more to help out in the church? And they said, well, how about being a deacon? I said, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. no that's not what and I meant. they said, no, we think you should be a deacon. I said, ah. He goes, hey, if you recently had a problem or you felt you had to preach, I'm like, yes. They said we knew it for a while. Mm-hmm. So I went to the whole process of becoming right. a deacon. It's the first time I had formal instruction yeah. of of diaconos, of helping. Right. And once I started really getting into the Word for myself and mm. not being into my feelings about it, right. I had this overwhelming feeling that I am not equipped wow. for this call. Gotcha. And I can't afford seminary. I said, right. what am I going to do? Right. So I served in that church, got to Maryland, and then I was driving with my wife, Lori, and, I, and she'll tell you this. I was driving, and I pulled over, and I started crying. Wow. And I was like, God wants me to preach and teach what should i do my wife being my wife was right. like i ain't trying to be no first lady right. so i don't know what you're talking about right. i said no 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 i said i don't know what it is and right, so right, that right. gave me the hunger uh, so so i was still resistant i was right. like lord look <laughs> i don't got the money to go to some right. big seminary you gonna have to do it for me yeah. so lord if you want me to get trained you got to make it free mm. so i went home typed in free seminary and a little Bible college, Bible institute called Christian Leaders Institute popped up. Mm-hmm. That's Christian Leaders Institute. It's a free seminary level wow. Bible study. Something is one of fly by night schools. Right. It's not. It isn't. I learned theology, exegy, all that stuff. I just super absorbed. Wow. And I was so locked in. Mm-hmm. And I did two years of seminary in like in like a year. Oh my goodness! And then you uh, did it all online. Uh, all online, and then part of it was I had to work with the church. I had right. to work with the yeah. pastor and do all different things. Right. And I, and I was like, well, you know, I was doing church, hospital visits, and and and, and prison, and, and you name it. If it was a ministry, I said, how dare I criticize anyone who's in the pulpit if I don't know the foundation? Right. right. And so I was a greeter, a usher. I, um, you name it, done yeah. all those jobs. Yes. Yeah. Cleaning the parking right. lot, whatever. Uh, I love visiting the old saints in the hospital or at their homes. I just do visits. Wow. Uh, church, uh, Prison visits. Um, young people. Yards, yeah. Whatever I... I started doing Bible that I was like on fire. Yeah. It didn't make any <laughs> sense. And I said, Lord... But I still wasn't... I was functional, but I still wasn't faithful. Right, right. And so I had a lot of head knowledge. But what I... What I, you can't realize is I thought every preacher and pastor had gone to seminary. Right, yeah, you do. I'm like, so yeah. when I found out that a lot of them didn't, I said, well, wait a minute. Right. But then Dr. Tony Evans, who's from Baltimore, right. who I ended up going to school with online with him, he said, you know, Dave, a lot of brothers and sisters were not allowed to go to seminaries. Right, yeah. They had right. to go to these institutes. Right. It's not until I went to Dallas Theological Seminary, I was the first brother to go to right. that school. Wow. So now I think what, what's needed, if someone felt they needed more education, there's so many free alternatives You're right. that are out there yeah. specific to your call. Right. And so my thing is to try to share that with people. Well, I'm going to look
1: up Christian leader. What did you say? The Christian, Christian Leaders
0: Institute. There's several okay, others. Okay, I'm going to look that up. Um, there's a lot of great books yeah, I'm gonna of look black that up. theologians teaching us about it. Awesome. awesome. So I'm going I'm to close with this because I, right. I know we went kind of long. Oh, it's um, been good though. So I'm going to ask um, what words of encouragement can you offer to anyone yeah that is struggling with their walk during a season of trauma and
1: drama? Uh, I picked up on the words you said, struggling with their walk. Uh, That is a real time thing. It's happening probably for some people 24 seven because, and thank God we do have our faith in God. But I want to put emphasis on if you're struggling with your walk, always remember that we walk by faith. And not by sight. So as long as you walk in by faith, and we know the struggle is real, just keep going. Because eventually God is gonna make a way in the midst of the struggling as you walk by faith. Because yes, I know it it, it becomes a cliche, it becomes all they say that all the time, but you know as well as I do, Dave, that God will He will be there in the midst of that struggle. We've got all kinds of examples in the Bible. Shadrach, Meshach, Bet- Abednego, they, they had so much resolve and so much commitment. We know he can, can deliver us, but if he does not, we will still maintain our commitment and walk by faith. Because he, he, he has the ability to, to, to save us, and he can choose not to because he's sovereign. But the struggle is real. Just as the struggle is real, walking by faith is real. Because that's the only way you're going to please God. You can't please him if, in the struggle if you decide, I'm going to cast out my faith. Mm. He's not going to be pleased. So I would say to that person that's experiencing trauma, anxiety, depression, and all those things, in the midst of your struggle, keep walking by faith. And in Matthew 11, 22, 22, have faith in God.
0: That is so helpful. I was recently talking to somebody about this very thing, and he said, if the Lord says walk by faith and not by sight, why did he give me eyes? <laughs> and I said, because you forget that the Lord stands outside of time. He's already seen your future. Mm-hmm. He knows your past, knows your right now. Mm-hmm. The faith is trust that he is who he says he is. Yes. And he doesn't do things that hurt you. Right. 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 So close your eyes, close your mouth yes. and just walk it out. Walk it out. Walk it out. Well thank you Pastor Trip I appreciate it this has been words for you walk this is brother David I am your messy minister and thanks again all right thank you